0: Mom's
1: with aspiration, Moms are inspirations. Moms in circulation. Moms at their workstations. Mom, 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 mom. they make a
2: nation. Mom, this is a mom nation. Welcome back to Mom Nation Unscripted. Now, a word from our sponsor.
3: Hello, everyone. This is Ryan Gilliam, senior mortgage banker with Waterstone Mortgage. If you're looking to buy a new home or even refinance a current one, I'm able to help you find the best program and interest rate that fits your specific needs. You can call me anytime directly at phone number 480-635-3035 if you have any mortgage questions or if you're ready to get pre-approved for a new home purchase. Thank you.
2: Well, hey, Mom Nation! We are back for another episode of Mom Nation Unscripted, and it is season four, episode eleven. So we are coming up on our season finale. We just got a couple more episodes to go before we close this season, and then we'll be preparing. I've actually secretly already started preparing. But then we'll be releasing what, uh, who we have for guests coming up in season five. Super excited about that. Um, but before we get started, we have the lovely. Jenny Cohen on the call today. How's it going? How has your past couple of weeks been?
1: It's good. It's um, birthday season. Every year, right around this time of the year, we're like busy with birthdays and birthday parties every weekend and trying to, sometimes there's a birthday party Saturday and another one on Sunday. And (laughs) so it's that chaotic time of year, but it's fun. Keeps us, you know, from being bored. How are you? Doing good. Same thing here. And it's kind of Okay, so
2: it's a little heavy on the wallet during this season, right? Because it's like Mm -hmm. birthday present after birthday present after birthday present. But it makes me feel really cool that, or or really good that my kid is super cool and like has a bunch of friends and people want to invite him to parties. So
1: I guess that's a good thing. (laughs) Right, exactly.
2: But yeah, same here. So we've just been super busy with that. Um, And then the weather, I mean, we had a little cold snap over the weekend. Um, For those of you that are, that don't know, we are in the Phoenix area. So when I say cold snap, like my family back East, probably if they were, you know, in earshot would kick me under the table or something because certainly is no cold snap. But for us, it is. (laughs) It was funny. It was funny. Um, We went to old town to just kind of walk around a little bit this weekend and just get out. And and we had Jackson and uh, he is very into rocks, like, you know, crystals and all these kind of things that you can get. He's got boxes and boxes of them. And so he begs us to go into all these rock stores Well, we're in one of the rock stores. And we're just kind of walking around. We're the only ones in there. And the lady's like, you know, trying to make small talk. She's like, Hey, you know, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And my husband goes, Oh, we're, we're just from here. We, you know, we're just kind of killing time before dinner kind of thing. And she's like, well, I should have known because we were all bundled up. We had long pants, boots, sweatshirts, you know all the whole deal. And of course the tourists are walking around with shorts and t-shirts. So just kind of funny.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: But, uh, but loving the weather it's, it's, I mean, this is why we live here, right? (laughs) Steve, how about you? You come from back East and you've been here not too long.
3: I'm always wearing shorts. Yeah, it's always, I was
2: going to say, (laughs) it's always balmy here. (laughs) You're No, actually,
3: I've gotten used to it. I've gotten used to this dry temperature over the last couple of years. And now, if it's 40 or 50, I'm chilly. So, you know, my buzz getting thinner being out here. So,
2: absolutely. Do you visit back home very often?
3: Yeah, we're actually going in a couple of weeks, and I think there's still snow on the ground. So, I'm not looking forward to that
2: are you going to have your shorts on?
3: (laughs) No, I'm not back there, but we will see the beach when we're back. So that's good.
2: Oh, awesome. That's something I definitely miss. I'm from New Hampshire originally and I miss the water, hence why we have a boat and, you know, we, we go on it quite often, a couple of times a week. So yeah, gotta love the water, gotta love nature. And speaking of,
3: That and my kids are what I miss, the water and my kids.
2: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally, totally understand. We have a little visitor coming. Jerry, are you there? Hi, I'm here. Hi, I see your bathroom lights.
0: Yes, give me one second.
2: (laughs) No worries, we were just about, we're we're on by the way. We were just about to uh, introduce Steve. I was just asking him about uh, being from back east and letting him know that I'm also from back east and we're just talking about the weather.
0: Oh, nice, all that good stuff out there. All that good stuff, yeah.
2: <laughs> so how was your last couple of weeks?
0: Good, good, staying busy, you know, how we all do. How about you, I'm excited for our upcoming trip and to see you.
2: I know, I know, I was just telling Steve, we're going to have a sue in a couple of weeks. I was telling him about the boat and how, you know, I'm a water girl and so <laughs> I'm excited to see you then. I was also telling him, and I don't think I've told you this before, um, but I was also telling him that, uh, you know, my son is seven years old and um, his BB gun is at the boat and he loves to shoot his BB gun. And we're teaching him gun safety, which is the topic that we're talking about today, right? We're teaching him gun safety and kind of how to handle it and, and that sort of thing, just getting him started. And um, hes he thinks it's absolutely hilarious. He's not allowed to aim obviously at anyone or, or, or animals or anything like that. But when we're out in the middle of the lake, he thinks it's the funniest thing to shoot BBs into the lake. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a boy thing.
3: Yeah, yeah I think it is. <laughs>
2: But anyway, I'm excited that you're on today, Sherry, because as I was telling Steve, you are a veteran and neither Jenny or I have seen you really in action, but we sure would love to, um, because obviously you've had plenty of, you know, being in the military and having that background, you've had plenty of training. A little bit,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but I love that we're all gun girls. So yes, Steve, I'm excited about today.
3: Good, good. Thanks for your service. Appreciate that.
2: Awesome. Well, as you've probably um, already figured out, Steve's name is Steve. So we have Steve Branch with Mindset Survival on today, and we're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff, guys, pertaining mostly to um, safety and uh, self-defense. We're going to talk about firearms, things like that, Um, you know, the questions that us as moms and, and women ask. So we've got a ton of questions for him. But before we get started with those questions, Steve, could you give us a little bit of a background on you, kind of how you got started, what your, you know,
3: sure, everything.
2: Sure. Just give it to us.
3: Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm from Rhode Island and uh, I was born and raised there. Went in the army many years ago for three years. I jumped out of uh, perfectly good airplanes just because. Uh, I was a paratrooper for three years. When I got out, I became a cop in my hometown uh, where I spent 22 years and there I was on the SWAT team. I ran our dive team and I was a bomb technician. All that while doing uh, undercover narcotics work and um, narcotics investigation. So I started teaching when I was in, uh, when I was on that department back in the academy, teaching young cops about SWAT tactics, drug raids, things like that. And then I started teaching at the police academy. I taught basic swim program. I taught um, uh, concepts in terrorism. And I retired in 2006. Yeah. And uh, I was bored. I was bored. So I wanted to try something else, but uh, I wanted to go to be part of what was going on overseas. So I went with Dying Corps, a civilian company, and I was a contractor for a year in Afghanistan, teaching the Afghan police how to do police work, which was interesting to say the least. I came back and went on another police department uh, for another eight years where I was the uh, department armor range officer uh, on their special response team. And I was the SRO at a high school, which I didn't really want the job, but I was a, I was a junior guy. So they gave it to me and I really enjoyed it. I loved working with kids. And it was uh, the first time in my career that I actually worked directly with, with children. And uh, I was assigned to the high school. But I was handling all the schools in the district. Uh, so anytime I want to do a class, I could go and do cybersecurity or bullying or uh, the seniors back in Rhode Island. I don't know if every state does this, but they had to do a senior project to graduate. And seniors came to me like about my second year at the school and said, hey, can you teach us about firearms? And I said, yeah, it was just a, a guy and a girl and they wanted gun safety, which was perfect because you know um, there's always that mystery when you're younger and you don't know about guns. And I took the mystery out of that and showed them that it's just a tool and it can be perfectly safe. So every year after that, I had more students come to me and they, they would have to present what they learned in a PowerPoint in front of a panel. And uh, everybody did great on that, that, that took my program. So uh, that's what I did for every summer. I'd be with students teaching them gun safety. So when we moved out here, uh, I figured, you know, gun state, uh, everybody knows what they're doing, but not the case so much. You know, everybody can buy a gun and you can carry it, but that doesn't mean you have the proper training to go with it. So I didn't, I didn't get right into it out here. Um, I've been teaching all along. I was with another company back in Rhode Island. You know, teaching classes on active shooter de-escalation techniques uh, communicating with the police all kinds of topics when I came out here I wanted to deal with uh, teaching children and women about self-defense and a part of that self-defense is firearms so that's what I still do that's that's kind of it in a nutshell
2: Awesome. So you have quite a background. I mean, you've been around firearms, you've been in this industry for quite some time.
3: Yes, definitely.
2: And Steve, we would like to thank you for your service too. Thanks, appreciate it. Yes. Why the focus on women and children? Tell me a little bit about that.
3: uh, Probably, for me, uh, it goes back to bullying. I when I was in high school, uh, junior high school, actually, there was a kid I knew and he, uh, he was getting bullied all the time. And I was big for my age and uh, everybody kind of knew me as a big quiet kid. So I stepped in and helped him out and it really felt good. It felt good to help somebody else out that was being bullied. And a big part of my classes teaching the kids was bullying. So I've never lost. That. And I think that's why I became a cop anyway, was to, to help people that couldn't help themselves in any, any type of situation. And that's why I was involved in so many things. Like everything that I could be involved in, I, I was, because I wanted to be there to help people. Like cops can't be there all the time. And, and we, you know, police officers know that, the public knows it, but I wanted to be ready in case something happened. So when I came out here, um, women uh, are victims more than men. It's, it's a fact, a sad fact, and so are children. And uh, that's why I wanted to focus on that. Guys can take classes they do all the time. They have that, you know, just the appearance. And it's it's something that we need to work towards fixing, I think. So if I give women and children the tools to defend themselves, uh, then moving forward, then hopefully it'll be a better day for everybody. Right? Okay.
2: Absolutely. And it's not just about firearm training. I mean, no, you not do at all. a variety of things, right?
3: Well, I think as, as much as uh, there's a huge interest in firearms, um, I think, and my program is that there are steps that you should take before you get to that point. Nobody wants to shoot anybody. So if there are options you have before you even get to that point of drawing a pistol or, or, or another firearm then that, that's what should be done. So we talk about situational awareness, like how to recognize a problem before it happens, how to talk to people, de-escalation techniques. We talk about open hand techniques, self-defense and uh, less lethal options. You know, there are, there are many less lethal options that a lot of people, and a lot of people already know about them, but the bottom line is practice. So somebody will go and buy something and throw it in their purse or in their pocket, and they never touch it. They just think it's going to work when they need it. Well, if you don't practice taking that out and using it, it's not going to be there when you need it. or It's going to be used against you. It's, not going, to, it's going to be pointing the wrong way. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of things that we talk about before we even get to the firearm stage. And then in my program, if you want the firearm stage and we go through familiarization, learning about the uh, the different types of firearms, uh, which one's best for you. And then we get the CCW, which you don't need in Arizona, but, you know, it's good to have if you're traveling. And, uh, and then we talk about introducing firearms into the home. If you have children, many people do, and they have firearms, how do you introduce that firearm into the home and, and keep it safe? So you have this gun, where do you keep it? You throw it in a safe with the ammo separate. How is that going to help you if you need it in the event that somebody breaks in? How are you going to protect yourself and your family? So we talk about that, the different options that are available on how to store a gun, how to take care of it, maintenance, malfunctions, all the other stuff that goes with it that a lot of people don't think about. It's a big responsibility owning a firearm. And there are a lot of them out there. So we try to cover everything.
2: it's really a huge responsibility. Um, You know, my husband and I were, we're both firearm owners and we have a whole plan. If something were to happen at home, middle of the night, where's he going? Where am I going? Who's getting the kid? What's happening? And I, I, you know, Steve, I never thought to have that conversation with my husband until my mom and I took your class the other day. Right. And I started talking with him, and I was like, you know, Steve was teaching us a couple of different things, and he was sharing that you're only as good as you had said. You the way you said it, it was perfect. Uh, Your lowest
3: was It wasn't my line. I can't. Yeah, I can't take credit for that line. It's it's uh, it's a line invented by uh, Colonel um, Grossman, and it's in his book. But it's basically, you will not rise to the occasion. Of a bad situation you will you know people some people like i said some people think they have this item now for self-defense and that when something bad happens it's just going to be there for them unless you train and practice with it it's not so you're not going to rise to the occasion you're going to revert to your lowest level of training and again like the credit goes to lieutenant grossman so lieutenant colonel grossman
2: Well, I I appreciate him and you because that stuck with me. And I thought on that and thought on that and thought on that and then decided, you know, to have a a discussion with my husband and say, okay, so if we're sleeping in bed and crash, boom, bang happens, like what next? And we had a very intense conversation about who does what and where we go. And, you know, we had incorporated some of the suggestions that you had taught that day, but I started thinking how many people actually have plans if something were to happen? And that's the
3: first step. That's, a, that's the big first step is you have to talk about a plan and that's the perfect way to do it. Just to bring up a conversation. If the children are older and you can include them in, in the conversation, even better. Look, our son's 21 and he lives with us, but we, we have a plan and we know that if something bad happens, okay, if you're not here, then we find a, a place we can meet up if you can't make it home. You know, Mm -hmm. this all has to be at least discussed it doesn't have to be written down and and you shouldn't stick to something a hundred percent because plans change and it has to be fluid but um, yeah it should definitely be talked about and that again that's a great first step is just bringing up the conversation
2: well and it it makes sense because if you think about at school they have fire drills right these days at school they even have active shooting drills don't they
3: Yes, yes, they do. Uh whether or not they do them right is another conversation, but they do. They do drills, yes. So And
2: and so why do people not do drills? They're home.
3: Yeah, exactly. Especially today when everything's so crazy and there's so many um ways to prepare. You can buy kits already pre-made with 3 days uh, of food and uh, water and other supplies that you'd need so that all those things are in place but yet People will go buy those and, and store them somewhere, but they won't have the conversation about, okay, now logistically, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're not home and something bad happens, what's our first move? Or if we are home and somebody else is one of the children's are at school, who's going to get them?
2: Mm-hmm. Are you going to
3: count on a bus to bring them home in an emergency situation? So these are the things you have to talk about.
2: It's so true. And my husband, he's pretty good about it. He's always kind of had that mindset where, you know, we have a stack of cash in the, in the safe, ready to go. If we need to get out, (laughs) we've got a bag of bullets. Like he has all this stuff ready and, but I never thought to say, well, okay, what part do I play in that? And you know, what kinds of things should I be doing to prepare in the event that that happens and in your class has sparked those conversations in our household.
3: Great, great. Glad to hear it. Yeah,
2: I, yeah, I really ap- appreciate it. It makes me feel so much more safe. Um, mm. And just just having that one conversation with you. I find myself um, just last night. Actually, I left a, a commercial building. I had a meeting I left. It was about nine o'clock and I would have just walked to my car and not even thought anything about it and just hopped in and not even looked around or anything, just, you know, going about my business. Well, it was dark. And I remembered what you said about bushes. So I stayed away from those and just really stopped and took a good look. You know, your little homework list you gave me, took a good look of what was going on. um, Went to my car rather quickly Still keeping, you know, a good eye, ears open, all that kind of stuff. wasn't on my phone, which I normally would be checking what I got for text messages while I was right, in the meeting. Right. Didn't do that at all. Hopped in my car. The second I hopped in my car, before I put on my seatbelt, started the car, got my GPS, whatever it is, all out. I locked the doors, which I never would have thought to do before.
3: So I always do that. I, I, I talked about it in one of our uh, posts in our group but um, years ago when I was a young cop working a midnight shift we'd have to write our reports and we would do it you know try to find a place that was secluded maybe to write the report but your interior lights on while you're out and sitting in your car in the middle of the night so I started locking my doors then because I didn't want somebody to jump in next to me or behind me and now you know they have the jump on me so even if I go to a store and my wife gets out and I wait in the car I locked the doors, even now. It's just, you know, I don't wanna be surprised like that. If the door is locked, it gives me an added uh, second or two. So, but you know, when you were doing all that, when you were walking out to the car, did you feel paranoid? Did you feel like what you were doing was paranoid?
2: Not really. Good, good. Um, I, I, I felt actually more comfortable. And I had a gal that was with me, you're gonna meet her, name is Sarah. She has an incredible story and she even said it to me before I went to my car. She's like, do you, are you you okay to walk to your car by yourself? And I was like, huh? Like, yeah, I'm okay. Um, So she kind of helped spark that as well.
0: Mm.
2: And I felt, I don't want to say, I I don't think it was paranoia. No, I think it was more like confidence. Like, Hey, I'm aware of my surroundings. If something is going to happen, I at least will be able to react more so than before if I, you know, my face was buried in my phone. Right, or whatever.
3: right. That's good because you, you could very easily uh, start doing those things where you're looking around and trying to check your corners or whatever you're looking for. And it will look paranoid, but if you can do it naturally and just, you know, go towards your destination and get there and still know what's going on and okay, nobody's parked near my car. So I don't have to worry about somebody jumping out from another car uh, towards me uh, in the middle of the night and um, all those things you know will be natural but you don't have to dwell on them you don't have to like let it consume you you mm-hmm. notice those things and then you put it away mm-hmm. it's good it's good I'm glad you weren't paranoid
2: Yeah, no, I totally appreciate that. And, you know, back in the day before, you just live life and you don't think that these bad things happen to people, right? I don't really watch the news so much. So it's just I'm kind of in my own bubble. Um, But I have a great friend that's a police officer. And uh, every once in a while, we get together and he shares his war stories, basically. And it's crazy how many things happen. Like, I don't want to scare anybody, but it's crazy how many things happen that we don't hear about.
3: Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good point. Um, Most of the things, most of the, uh, the high level drug raids or or SWAT call outs that happen on a regular basis in our country, you don't hear about if they're successful, you know, Mm -hmm. if somebody makes a mistake and and something bad happens, yeah, you're going to hear about it. Or if it's a big bust that they want to get the name out in the news, you'll hear about it. But there are a lot of things that happen, that have another cause. So they'll keep that quiet until the second part plays out, you know, it's, just, it's kind of cryptic, but that's, you understand what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's that's how it works. Right. Um, it was, he was telling me this story the other day about this, I couldn't believe it, which is another reason why I'm so excited to be um, enrolled with your, your classes is, um, this gentleman was waiting for his girlfriend to come to the apartment complex. It was like nine o'clock at night, something like that. So it was dark out. She texted him and said, I'm parking. I'm in, I'm in the parking lot. I'm parking. I'll be right up. An hour later, he waited an hour, an hour later, she didn't come and he called the police and they ended up, they had security cameras in the parking lot. And what ended up happening when they were reviewing it is they saw A man drive in and um, get into her car and basically abducted her and she was found later not in good shape you might imagine
3: so take that one step further why not you've made the call you let somebody know you're coming why not stay on the phone until you get there
2: good point yeah not
3: just stay on the phone keep talking to that person and then if, if you notice something then you can say, at least at least somebody knows what's going on that hour time span in between you know that was costly obviously
2: very costly i mean what a long time right you know he was the guy was able to get across town and did whatever he did and left her and she was found later and yeah. and It's apparently was uh, somebody that was doing it. It was like a serial killer. This is a couple of years ago. But I'd never think of that pulling up to my friend's house. It's in a parking lot. It's an apartment complex. Okay. There's lights everywhere. It's probably people. Nine o'clock at night. I mean, that's not very late.
3: No, it's not. But it can also happen in broad daylight. Right. Right. You just have to be on your toes all the time because you can't pick when and where. Something bad is going to happen to you, right? So you have to be on your toes all the time. It's really unfortunate that that's the kind of world we live in now. But why not be ready for it? We can't control that part, but we can be ready. So, so that's what we're trying to get out there
2: for for those of us that maybe need to warm up to the firearm idea, or. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just don't feel comfortable and and don't want to get into that. Um, What are just briefly a couple of other things that we as women can do to prepare ourselves to be able to defend in a situation like what I just explained?
3: Right. So the first thing is, is like I talked about the situational awareness is knowing your surroundings. So so many people walk around today with, uh, and you'll see them, uh, both headphones in. That, that, that's one of my pet peeves. They walk around with both or they run or they jog by themselves with, now, that's one of your, it's a very keen sense you're hearing. And you can hear when something's changed or when something's coming up on you. So at least have just one. And even I'm in my house and I don't like to have both in because I want to hear what's going on. If I had both earbuds in, I, I couldn't hear. So that's, that's the first thing is, you have to be aware of your surroundings. And if you're not, then then you've already given the bad guys a door, an open door. So that's the first thing is to learn about what situational awareness is, how stress can affect the body, because it does have an effect on the body um, when something bad happens. So then there are ways that you can get out of an issue before it gets to the part where you have to draw a gun. Like I said, so de-escalation techniques, talk your way out of it. Um, and police are using this more and more today. They have to because of the, the cameras and the limelight, but why not talk your way out of something? I learned early on as a young cop that you could get in a fight every night if you wanted to, just by talking to somebody a certain way, Uh, You go into a bar and there's always uh, intoxicated people in there. So if you wanted to just look at somebody wrong and it's going to start an issue. Right. So I learned, that's not the way to go. You know, there has to be a better way to deal with people. So learn how to talk to people. And there are key phrases that you say, key uh, words that you shouldn't say. And then after, after you learn about your situation awareness and then de-escalation techniques, and you can, you can study martial arts, but, Uh, I studied for years and it's awesome. I love martial arts, but if you don't have the time to, and I saw somebody post this the other day, uh, they posted something like, well, I took, I took a a Krav Maga class once. So I'm all set. Once isn't going to help you. Once is like giving you enough information to hurt yourself. So if you, if you, whatever you pick or or choose, and whether it's for, the style, whether it's for the sport or just for fitness, whatever you do, do it hundred percent because otherwise it's not gonna be there when you need it. And then uh, there are a lot of options open for for less lethal. If you don't wanna carry a firearm, which is a big, again, it's a big responsibility, but if you don't wanna carry a firearm, there are other options. There's pepper spray, there are tasers and stun guns. Some states don't allow them, uh, some states do. So you have to check your local laws as far as that goes. Uh, There are other things. There's collapsible batons. You know. There's uh, smaller items too that you can carry. Just, I don't have my keys here, but if you walk into your car, and I know a lot of women do this already, but they keep their, their keys in their hands and they have the keys coming through when they walk. So if you had to hit somebody, it's not just your fist, that's gonna do the damage. It's those keys that are sticking out between your fingers. So it's just something, at least you're doing something. And I know they make those, uh, the cat's ears one now, it's a keychain, and it, your fingers go through and it has two points for the cat's ears and it's metal and it would hurt. Then you have to have the right attitude though because mindset's important, yes? So if if you don't have the mindset where you don't really wanna hurt somebody and that's fine, Because nobody says you have to be that kind of person. But if you can't hurt somebody, then there's no way you're going to protect yourself if it comes to it. Because you have to hit hard enough to give yourself time. And that's what the whole thing is. You're trying to buy time. So another key thing that you can carry and everybody can carry it, you can travel with it, you can get on an airplane with it. And it has so many benefits as far as self-defense as a flashlight. A lot of people don't think about that, but a flashlight can light your way if the power goes out. If you're in a hotel and the power goes out, you have a flashlight. If you shine it in somebody's eyes, you have a second or two because it's gonna blind them. So it's a very, it's a very versatile self-defense tool, the flashlight. So and all that happens before you get to the firearm stage. So there's many options.
2: That's a huge point. I never thought of the flashlight.
3: Hmm. i showed i was given a tour to a bunch of uh, fifth graders of the police station and i showed them all our swat gear and all of our regular tactical stuff and and i said you guys have a lot of flashlights <laughs> because redundancy we don't want because when you need it you know murphy's going to step in and something's not going to work when it's supposed to so we always have a backup so on the firearm itself, there's a flashlight. Then there's another one on, the, on a different firearm. And then there's another one for your hand. Some guys wear them on their, uh, on their heads so they can see at night when they're walking. So flashlights are very important to law enforcement. Very important.
2: That is such a cool piece of information that I never thought of. How about you ladies? Ever think of those things, some of those things that he mentioned?
3: There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff. So, you know, if you start wanting to help yourself by just having the conversation with somebody just talking about it's a great first step and then if you want to move on to situational awareness there are many options for that where you can learn
1: about it i'm curious about martial arts is that something you recommend uh women
3: yeah by all means it it, it won't hurt it it never hurts but the only thing about it is you have to give it your all. If you're going to focus on martial arts as a way to help yourself, to protect yourself, and learn. then uh, practice, 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 practice. So like I said before, you're going to, yeah. you're going to revert to your lowest level of training. So if you took one class, that that's your, that's where you're going to go back to.
2: And for smaller ladies like me, Steve, we haven't met in person yet, but you'll see this big. Um, (laughs) As far as martial arts, as far as that's concerned, like it doesn't matter how big or how small you are, right? You could still learn some some very usable techniques. Yes. Yes. And
3: there are ways, uh, there are some very simple things you can learn to, uh, because what you're trying to do is get out of a situation. So you want to, Uh, strike as hard as you can and cause the most damage that you can, right? So if you learn just five or six different punches or strikes and just focus on those as a way to help you out of a situation, but that's all you focus on, that's good. That's good. Martial arts are great, but just devote your time to it. Just give it the time it needs because it's not just how high you can kick or how... How, how many spinning back kicks you can do. If you can't hit a target, if you can't connect with somebody that has you around the throat, what good is it? So, but there are, I mean, I know some some great instructors, some great styles. And yeah, it's definitely a way to go, but you just have to practice.
2: Yeah. More on the subject of women, because, you know, mm-hmm. that's what we all are here. Right. Um, right. What's your advice if, um, like Jenny and I wish we knew you months ago because we were talking back and forth and trying to figure out and on all these forums about what we should get for our firearm, because it, it was, it was my first one. I'm pretty sure it's her first one too. Um, and we just were, I was clueless. Anyway, I'll speak for myself. I was a hundred percent clueless. I didn't know what to get. Of course, I have my husband that is, you know, a gun owner has been for a very long time. So he had his advice, um, You know, like he had mentioned, you want to make sure that you have something that's big enough. That's going to stop what's coming. I mean, you know, picture somebody that's coming after you. If you need to draw your gun, they're probably real angry or hopped up on drugs or something like that. Right. right? So that was his advice. Um, But that's about all that he had given. I just went into the store, kind of tried a couple and ended up going with a Glock 43, which I'm happy with my purchase. Mm -hmm. Um, gives a little bit of a kick uh (laughs) you know a little more so than a a larger pistol does but what's your advice for somebody who is clueless like i was and is looking to get something that is you know obviously functional for them but is going to do the job
3: yeah yeah. so a lot of a lot of uh guys uh, know about firearms and a lot of them recommend a firearm to their their wife or girlfriend so my advice is you have to try it out. It has to fit your hand, okay? So you have to be comfortable with it. Going into a store, holding 10 different guns is a great start because you have to get that right feel. If, if one doesn't feel right, you know, and you won't know until you shoot it. So many of these places that, that sell firearms also offer rentals. So you can try it out and it's not expensive. It's like $15 and you can try out a certain gun because you really should know about the kick. You should know uh, how it's going to feel when it goes off in your hand. It's a totally different sensation than just holding it, obviously. And there are calibers that are better for target practice than they are for self-defense, like a 22. A 22 is a great round for for learning, practicing. Ammo is cheap. Uh, well, not today. Everything is expensive, but... Um, you, you can get a lot of ammo for the money. So a 22 is a great uh, learner to start with. It's great for younger shooters too. Like our, our son's first firearm was a 22 because it's easy to learn on. It doesn't have a lot of kick. You can focus on your trigger pull. You can focus on your sight alignment. You focus on your stance. There are things that you really need to focus on before you get into the 45 or whatever you carry what do you have? What kind of the 43?
2: I have a 43.
3: Okay. So Jen, do you have one too?
1: I can't hear. Sorry, I couldn't unmute myself. Mm. (laughs) I was stuck. Yes. I got a SIG uh, P365 XL. So a nine millimeter um, and it's compact and I like it. So
3: yeah, that's what my wife's looking at. She loves that. the XL, the XLs, it doesn't have that subdued site, right? It's a regular site on it. Correct. Yeah. yeah, That's the one she's looking at, but she wants to shoot it first, which I, I think is a, is a great, um, a great way to learn about whether or not you want that. Did you get to shoot it before you bought it?
1: I had not. Um, I actually mm-hmm. couldn't find any at the couple of ranges I had went to. They didn't have any. So I found one at Bass Pro Shop and was like, you know what? I'm going for it. I just bought it. And and luckily, I like it. But yeah, I, I bought it having not shot one first.
3: Okay. So I, I had a student recently who uh, purchased a gun on the advice of somebody else. And uh, she showed up for the class and she had never shot this gun before. And it was a 1911, a 45. Which, if it's a big gun, number one, it's it's a forty-five, but it's also a heavy gun. It's a complicated gun if you don't know it. Uh, for a first-time shooter to pick up a nineteen-eleven, there is a lot of uh, things you have to know about it. So, she she persevered, and she uh, the first shot was a little uh, eye-opening, but uh, she got used to it, and and uh, she ended up shooting it very well. But it's it's not something I would recommend for a first-time shooter. So no, you know, I have should, sh- Yeah.
1: Yeah, you should definitely try them out. I have shot my friend's 45 and that that yeah. packs a punch.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a big bullet. It's it's very yep. big. Yeah. So, but the you know, the 9 is a a great round for self-defense and for uh, uh, capacity. So, it's a good all-around round, but I know guys that carry I worked with a guy who carried a Desert Eagle 44 for duty. So, He's a big guy, but it's, it's not something that you'd be comfortable carrying, it's a very big gun, so but yeah, definitely try them out. And like I said, the stores let you practice shooting them before you purchase, so that's a great option. Yeah,
2: so speaking of learning, you had mentioned the 22 is a great, um, a great piece to learn on how, What? what is your suggestion as far as um, starting to train children? Obviously, I mean, I'm of the mindset that the sooner the better that they actually are aware of gun safety and they know kind of the basics. I mean, that's right. just how I feel. I grew up in a military family, you know, always had guns around. Um, so I've always kind of known what it is and known, you know, sort of the basics yeah. in terms of safety. But what is your suggestion if, you know, a family just, hasn't really been around firearms or maybe the parents have, but it's not, you know, something that the kids have, have been around, what age would you start introducing at least the safety functions?
3: Right. Uh, As long as, as old, when they're old enough to pull the trigger. So uh, I had a big revolver with a heavy trigger pull. If my children could pull the trigger, then it was time to learn about gun safety. Mm-hmm. because I kept them hidden until they were of age where I didn't have to keep them hidden anymore because it's not just them. You have to think about it. You have to think about their friends that are going to come over and play. And then, you know, the conversation might come up and as much as we wouldn't want it to, the conversation could come up where, Hey, you know what, you know, what my dad has, you want to see it. Right. No. And and then all of a sudden we're, we're talking about a bad incident. So as soon as the child is old enough to to pull the trigger or if, if, you don't, if you want to keep them away from firearms, then that's fine. Don't even introduce them to it. Not very realistic because you know how kids are. They're curious. Yep. You want to take that mystery out of it. Show them that it's just a tool. Show them that you know, this is what it can do. And, and start that firearm education young. like There's no hard age, but at least uh, uh, 12, 13, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say. But like I said, as long as they're, if they're old enough to pull the trigger, then start that education and, and take, that, take the mystery out of it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think you brought up a really great point. Um, I know that I introduced my children to it at a very young age because I needed to start carrying. Right. Um, so I, my oldest was seven at the time and my youngest was four. So I needed to teach them about safety because I had to carry a gun on an everyday basis. Um, but like you said, even if you aren't comfortable with weapons and don't want them in your house, kids have friends.
1: Exactly.
0: And even if you're asking every single friend's parent, like, Hey, do you have a weapon in your house? Teaching them gun safety is going to at least eliminate hopefully that curiosity. So there aren't issues later on, regardless right. of how you feel about weapons. But, um, mm-hmm. I remember my dad taught my dad and my grandfather took me and my sister out when we were you know eight or nine um and you know I never felt like that was weird or awkward as a child um so I don't know I mean obviously everyone has their own opinion but yeah
3: yeah I can only speak from my own when I was young probably six or seven my older brother said hey dad has a gun we tore the house up looking for it we couldn't find it we never found it i don't even know if he had one to tell you the truth but we we were so curious we want to see it because you know you grow up seeing them on tv and in the movies and we wanted to see it we wanted to hold it so it's if he did have one it's, it's a good thing we didn't find it but uh that happens so many times where it just it becomes a conversation and then all of a sudden you're looking for it and so now if if i knew my children Yes, they knew how to make a gun safe, but also if they went over to a friend's house and the kid came, hey, look what I found in the drawer, then they know what to do with. Number one is call a parent, call an adult. And then number two is if you had to, at least you know to keep your finger off the trigger, you know, to assume it's loaded because we really focus on the the safety rules, the firearm safety rules. and. We hammer those in through the whole class through the whole program because if you follow the safety rules, bad things won't happen. You hear about bad things happening all the time and it's because one of those rules is violated so especially with children yeah.
2: I think that's so giant and um, my son we started him on a on a BB gun that's yep. just kind of that's- what he's. He gets the
3: function down. He gets a feel for it. Yeah. He knows that was a lever action, like a rifle kind of thing.
2: Yep. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's a good, it's a, it's a, it's an important part of uh, a child's education. I believe, I believe is, and it's not so much that I think every child should become a shooter, but every child should learn about gun safety Mm -hmm. because they're out there and no matter what anybody says, they're out there and they're everywhere the 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 chance that your child may run into a gun at some point in his life is is pretty good. And I don't mean yeah. in a bad way. I'm just saying it just, you know, they go to somebody's house and, you know, some people are pretty careless with them.
2: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, I will be that very proud parent if that were to ever be a situation. And my kid was the one that was like, Hey, no, like this is not something that we're going to play with. No, you know, you know, we need to call a parent. We need to, and he kind of like, you know, he's a bit of a leader himself. So he kind of like helps his friends to not get in trouble or, or, you know, to have some crazy things happen. My husband has a really great story. I wish he was here right now because I'd have him pop on and tell it. Um, but that scenario happened when they were kids, and it, he wasn't involved. But it was some friends of his, and they were they were teenagers, and they found Dad's gun, and it actually went off, mm. and luckily didn't hurt anybody. It blew a huge hole through the you know the wall, um, and so they had to explain that, and obviously got into a bunch of trouble. But um, right, right. you know, I mean they. <laughs> Clearly, you know, they shouldn't have been playing with that, but if they well, had known, maybe that wouldn't thankfully, have happened.
3: Thankfully, it wasn't tragic, and it was just, you know, kids getting in trouble kind of thing. But sometimes, and you see it in the paper all the time, bad things do happen. So,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so aside from a BB gun, you know, obviously my kid's seven. He's really little. If um, you were wanting to get your 12 or 13-year-old involved and start start training you suggest then a 22
3: i i I started my own with a 22 and yeah i would i would suggest that because it's easy to learn on and it's has the same function as as a 45 or whatever any other gun that you have but it teaches the basics and it's an easy way to do it um yeah i started him with a 22 and now he's moved up he's got a a rifle and pistol and all that stuff but and it's funny because, you know, we're here in Arizona and I told him he could carry if he wants to, because we're constitutional carry here, but, uh, he does, he, and he, and he's very good with a firearm, but he doesn't feel to that comfort level to actually carry it, which, which is a big step, you know, to actually take the responsibility of wearing a firearm and then, um, and then knowing what could happen yeah. When I was working at the schools and we had some uh, some active shooter events at the schools, a lot of people would come to me and ask me what I thought about teachers carrying or or the principal or somebody in the school carrying a firearm. I'm totally against it, Uh, my own personal reasons. But I don't think those people that talk about that and even even teachers were talking about. I think I should be able to carry a firearm. Okay, there's so much that goes into that. There's so much that goes into it. You have to you have to think about standardization. Number one, are you gonna let every teacher or principal bring their own gun to school, not knowing what kind of ammunition they're using or what kind of training they have? So you're gonna to have to standardize, you'd have to get standardized firearms, you'd have to get standardized training, standardized ammunition. And it has to be a, an ongoing thing. You just can't train them once and then just cut them loose. Cause you're talking about, you know, one of the other safety rules is knowing your target and what's behind it. Imagine uh, an active shooter coming down the hall of a a crowded school and there's kids all over because there's gonna be chaos and they're running everywhere. You're gonna count on the vice principal to take a shot and hopefully not hit anybody else. Uh, And then if he does, and he knew this kid because it was a student also, now he has to deal with that and the psychological trauma that he's gonna go through, who's gonna pay for his therapy? Who's gonna pay for the aftermath? The lawsuits that are gonna happen. So I think just, uh, they should leave it to the police and the police are doing a great job with that. But again, they can't be everywhere. And that's why uh, programs are taught like Alice or like Run, Hide, Fight, you know, that we talked about before. But that's why those programs are being taught so that people in those situations have an option, they have a chance, so
2: yeah alice run, i'm familiar um, with yeah right, right. <laughs> um so speaking of carrying so there's all sorts of things because i'm i'm looking at that right now as you know yep, um, yep. and i have a very dangerous job i'm a real estate agent i think it's like right up there with police officer maybe not quite but you know what i mean like it's it's a pretty yeah. darn dangerous job a lot of people
3: you disappear definitely need some training stuff. in that area yeah
2: Yeah, very much. Um, And so I'm looking at carrying and I'm looking at different ways to carry. And I'm not really sure what is going to work for me yet. So that's why I haven't, you know, gotten the purse or gotten a holster or something like that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for women that are in my shoes that are considering this and and are looking for a way to do so?
3: Well, uh, my wife actually showed me that there, there, there are companies out there that make clothing for women. That have uh, holsters built in, so they have t-shirts, they have bras, they have uh, uh, b- uh, belly bands, they call them. They have uh, leggings that have holsters built in, either on the inside of the thigh or the outside. So there are many options, and then you then there are so many companies making purses also. So you could, you know, you could get one of the purses. I've seen, and that, that's the thing that blew me away when I came out here was so many people, women included, carrying open on their hip, you know, which is cool. You have that right. It's totally your right to do it. But um, there's a lot of things that go into consideration. No matter what you pick for how to carry, there are drawbacks uh, and and positives to each one. So a purse is great because you can hide uh, the firearm. You can hide extra magazines, a flashlight, anything in there, right? But if you put it down for a second, now you're unarmed. So unless you have it with you 100% of the time, you're not wearing it. You're carrying it in your purse. And then if you go do a real estate show and you put down the purse for a second, then you don't have that backup. You don't have that firearm to help you. So, you know, the other items, uh, uh, the other holsters that they make, they're great, but it goes back to the pepper spray. You have to practice with it. If you put the shirt or or the pants on or whatever, and you throw the gun in there, if you don't practice taking it out, where you can do it, Without thinking about it, then it's not going to help you. Practice is my biggest, my biggest uh, pet peeve, I guess. So yeah, but so, there there are a lot of options for women to carry. Yeah,
2: there are, and it's kind of boggling my mind because I'm like, ooh, well, maybe I want them all. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I had, I had heard um, somebody had told me, I don't remember who it was, that. Carrying a holster, like carrying in a holster that's kind of outside that you can see, you had just mentioned that, you know, seeing people yep. around around Phoenix doing that actually could make you a target.
3: Yeah. Well, think about it. If you were a bad guy and you go into a store to rob the store and you're looking around the store and it looks easy, but then you see that one person over in the corner buying something and they're wearing a gun in their hip, who's going to be your first target? You're going to take out the threat, right? So on the other hand, is it a deterrent? Is wearing an open firearm a deterrent? And it is because there's not many people who want to mess with somebody who's armed. Unless, you know, you you may be crazy or or maybe uh, under the influence of something and you don't think that that person knows what they're doing or you think you're faster. Either way, it's going to be chaotic, to say the least, right? So... Yeah, there are drawbacks to wearing, uh, you know, cops have to do it because, you know, unless you're, if you're in uniform, you have to wear a a gun on the outside. Mm -hmm. So cops spend a lot of time training retention. And if, if you're just a a civilian and you're carrying open, how many times do you practice retaining your handgun while somebody's trying to get it out of the holster? And is it a strong enough holster to stop that from happening? Mm-hmm. So there are different levels of holsters that, that can help you 1, 2, and 3, and 4. And, you know, you have to know how they work because you have to be able to get the gun out quickly. And you have to also be able to stop somebody else from getting it out to use against you. So those are some drawbacks for, for open carry. Concealed carry, there's a lot of drawbacks there too because you have to practice getting it out. If you're wearing it in your, in your waistband, then you have to move the shirt or the jacket to get to it. Right. If you don't practice that, then that's an added few seconds of you fumbling, trying to get you know to the back of your shirt. But everything has to be uh, thought about. And there's, a, like I said, there's a lot of companies selling stuff, and and it's fantastic. the 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 amount of products that are out there is great because you can just pick and choose.
2: Mm-hmm. But
3: just know the the benefits and the drawbacks of each one. You
2: know? Yeah, And the. The, out in the open carry just kind of makes me nervous, it's, especially hmm. as a woman. I feel like not only could I be a target in a situation like you just described, um, but also guns are going up in value. Who's to say somebody is not going to be like, I'm to follow her home because uh, <laughs> I know she has a weapon in the car or I know that she has one in the house or what else is in the house? You know what Good I mean? Point. That kind of thing. Good point.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because guns aren't cheap. Oh. So, just stealing the gun is, is, a, is a good payday. So yeah, you're right. Good yeah, point. so a
2: little worried about that. Um, another question that I have about carrying is, um, do you recommend, and this is, I, I anticipate the answer is going to be case by case, but do you recommend uh, keeping one in the chamber?
3: Yes, no yeah. No case by case. It's just, oh, okay. otherwise, otherwise it's, it's a big piece of metal. You know, when I was in the Army, and this was back in 79 to 82, you know, we were working uh, police work. I was a military policeman, and they would tell us we weren't allowed to, to chamber around in our 45s. They wanted us to go on the street and conduct law enforcement operations without a gun that was loaded. You can't do that. You can't do that. If you know, it, just the the added time it's going to take you to chamber around, and if everything goes smoothly and Murphy doesn't interfere, and and you can get the gun to battery before something before you have to actually use it, you know, that's very iffy. I know, and I, I know a lot of people say that you should do that for safety reasons, and it just gives you that extra second so you don't pull the trigger inadvertently and do something you didn't want to do, but that goes along with what I was talking about before. Once you commit to something, once you commit to saving yourself, then you have to commit. You have to give it 100%. Right.
2: I mean, if you're going to carry, you might as well go all the
1: way, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you just carry around a hammer. It's the same thing. Just carry a hammer. So
1: how do you work up the courage to to carry with one in the chamber do you recommend starting out maybe with no magazine in just to get used to having your gun on you how do you get up to that point
3: that's a good question because i my wife and i've been talking about that and i said why don't you why don't you take this one with you today just to see how it feels to, to carry even though she doesn't have the the, the clothing that has a holsters, but why not just do that so you can kind of get used to it and she did a couple times knowing that i was armed so and we were going to be together all day but Yeah. uh, Training. You just have to keep training. You have to keep doing it to get used to it. Even if it means just wearing around the house, like wearing around the house just to feel what it feels like to carry that, you know, 27 ounces on your leg or or in your bra, however you're going to carry it, it's definitely going to be a weight difference. I've been carrying since I was 19 years old in one form or another. When I retired after 22 years in law enforcement, I still wanted to carry but I only had a 1911, so I'm like, this is a big gun to carry every day, especially when I don't really need it. When I don't, you know, I we can always need it, but not that I. It wasn't my job, so to carry something that big, uh, so I switched to a smaller gun. Um, that I missed it, and I went and got another one. But anyway, <laughs> that's just me. Um, but yeah, you have to you have to get used to it, and wearing around the house is a great first step, and then. If you know you're going to go to the range, just wear it from home to the range so you're ready to get there. And then, you know, baby steps kind of thing. And then you'll get used to it. Um, A lot of, you know, you're going to have that argument in your head too. You're going to say, well, do I really need it? Nothing bad's happened to me in the last 20 years. So why worry about it now? Well, unfortunately, we can't pick when bad things are going to happen. So it's an insurance policy, right? Hopefully you'll never need it. But if you do, it's there,
2: so. Mm -hmm. so true. I sometimes late night watch these crime shows. I don't know why I do this to myself. I really don't like, you know, 11 o'clock at night and I'm watching murders and stuff. And I'm like, oh God, I'm not gonna sleep now. Maybe that's why I don't sleep, you guys. I'm watching crime shows. Um, But what you just said just kind of reminded me of of a situation um, I don't even remember. So I'm not even gonna quote which show it was um but it was this grandma she was like in her 70s and her kids were always like you know you shouldn't be living alone anymore if you are you should have a big old rifle or something you know um and she just kept saying I've been here 70 years nothing's happened to me yet nothing's going to once you know it one night she gets raped and murdered saddest thing in the world you know and and I certainly don't want to be that grandma that that happens to just because I've been, you know, fairly safe for the majority of my life. You just can't make that prediction. Right.
3: So why not be ready? Even if it just means, you know, taking the class and situational awareness and learning about the dangers that could be out there. Because once you, once you do that, and once you get comfortable with knowing your situational awareness and getting, getting used to it being there, you're going to want more. You're going to want to take the next step and learn more. So but that's the first that has to be first in the, you know, in your education, as far as if you go, if you're going straight for the firearm, that's great. That's fine. But just know that there are options before that and you don't have to go right to the firearm.
2: So Mm -hmm. I like that advice. And I think that's really comforting for a lot of women and a lot of moms out there. Um, You know, they're again, military family. So I had guns around my whole life. Uh, but there are people out there that have never seen one or right. touched one or, or been in the same room with one before, mm-hmm. and they're raising families and feeling really nervous about it. And I, and I can totally understand. So I appreciate that advice. Steve, how can we connect with you if somebody wants to get in touch? Um, I know that you do some one on one stuff, you do some class stuff. Um, what's the best way for our audience to connect with
3: you? yeah, I like teaching one on one or virtual because it's, you know, I think you get more attention that way which is needed especially in this area so uh, large groups are okay but i find that uh, unless i have an assistant instructor or somebody else there people are going to have that downtime and i don't i don't like doing that i, I like to do one-on-one but our our website is called mindset survival.com it's uh it's the easiest way to find us all the information on how to reach me is on there email a phone number everything's there uh, we also have a facebook group uh, i think you're aware of the uh, self defense for women. And um, you're going to put that link down there because the title yes. is too long for me to remember it. I can't.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll link your website and, and your group link to the show notes. Absolutely. Great. So somebody that's watching can just click on it and away we go. Awesome. Very yeah. Good. So thank you so, so much, Steve, thank for you. spending a little bit of time with us today. Thank you. It's been, Great getting to know you. Um, Someday I'll be really, really good and I can be your little junior teacher.
3: (laughs) Awesome. That'd be great. That'd be great. That's
2: my goal. Big goal.
3: Thanks for this opportunity. I really appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. It's been great having you, and we look forward to I love that you're partnering with Mom Nation. We look so forward to our nights at the range um, uh, together, which is gonna be real cool having you yeah. there. I am yeah. so in love with that idea and looking very forward to the classes that we already have lined up for March. Yeah, so. Yeah. For those fun. of you that are, are in Mom Nation, check out the events page so you can connect with one of Steve's classes. I know that we have one coming up on Monday, March 8th, and you're not quite full yet, right? You still have a little right. bit of room. We still
3: have, we still have room there. And uh, then we have a, a self-defense class on arm self-defense on the 24th, and then another firearms introduction on the 28th.
2: So, Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it. All right, yeah. Sherry, what do we want people to do?
0: Follow us and like us on your preferred video. Well, for us, for users, it's iTunes. For people like Jenny with the uh, Android, um, it is
1: Google Podcast Podcast. Yeah, there
0: we go. One of these days, I'll actually remember it. Um, but go ahead and jump on there. Search Mom Nation. Subscribe. Follow us. And then you want to actually download these series, these videos, and podcasts that we do, um, because not only is that going to help you have access to this information, but it's going to help us spread the word to other moms that are in need of this information as well. And what about the liking, Jenny?
2: Oh, I think we lost her. She oh
0: no, need it. You don't give us a five yet. Just wait, listen to a couple more episodes, and you will learn to love (laughs) him. Thank
2: you. Absolutely. It's important to get this information, this knowledge out to moms, out to women, and that is our goal here. So, again, Steve, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your service to our country. You too, Sherry, and thank you for your time, everybody.
1: Thank you. Bye. Bye. Moms with aspiration, moms are inspirations. Moms in circulation, moms at their workstations.
2: Bump, bump, bump. bump, bump. they make a nation. Bump, this is a mom nation.